Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 26 of Robot Radio. This is Greg Stanwood, and back after two weeks of uh, chaotic moving and lack of internet, back with us is Andrew Martin. Andrew, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Moved into a place, it's a beautiful day. We have the internet, which is also a positive thing. Yeah, I don't know how you, I, I cannot survive without the internet for that long. There's far too many activities of various sorts, whether it be getting my news or, you know, re- writing blogs or some such that, you know, it would just kill me. I'm, I've well, become way, way, way too dependent on, uh, on it. Well, luckily enough, I have a smartphone so I can do some stuff there and then I just, if I need to check the news or whatever, I can do that from work and, it's just much handier to have it at home because I can't really Skype from my phone right now. Thank you, Skype, for making it difficult for Sprint users. Hmm. Yeah, I don't have a smartphone. I just have an old regular phone that I only use to make calls like once a week. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, all my internet activity is based here at my house. And my internet went down for about an hour yesterday because my router decided to reset to factory defaults without my permission. So... Yeah, technology, was, making our lives easier day by day. Yes, although I'm sure the ease actually really probably outweighs the annoyance. It would just be much nicer if that part were were, were not a factor. Agreed. So anyway, um, today I think we're going to talk mostly about the minors uh, for the session today because the minor league seasons are all ending this week, and we want to kind of review a little bit for everybody who has you know, found a way onto the map who's kind of uh, emerged as a uh, as a candidate for somebody you should be keeping an eye on in future years. And also maybe we'll talk about some people who had some 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 of the more difficult seasons who, who might have hit a snag in their development. Uh, you know, pretty much just kind of a minor league review type thing. So I don't know if there's anybody or any level of development you want to start with. Oh, we can just work our way down from AAA if you'd like. Well, we've talked a lot about AAA recently because we've been talking about the September call-ups. Right. So we, we can um, skip. I mean, I'm sure we've shot Cole Garner and Matt Miller to death by now and Jay Payton. So. Right. But also, uh, one thing I can mention about AAA that's interesting, you know, ever since I started r- running Project Libra, I've been able to f- see the, the, the conditions of all these people a lot better. And I don't know if this is normal or not, but almost 70% of our, of our AAA team is going to be gone next year. It's really interesting because so much of it is made up of people who are eligible for minor league free agency next year that, you know, some of them might resign, but, and, and some of them could potentially be purchased before the end of the month, I guess. But I just want to read through all, all the AAA names that are eligible to leave at the end of the season if they should, should so choose. Luis Ayala, Kurt Birkins, Ching Lung Lo, Josh Mickey, Scott Rice, Juan Rincon, Greg Smith, Matt Wilhite, Brad Eldred, Cole Garner, Kaz Matsui, Travis Metcalf, Matt Miller, Jay Payton, and Paul Phillips. Um, that's, a, that's a lot of names. I thought Ching Lung Lo spent most of the season in double, in double A this year. He did. He was promoted when we started pulling up uh, people out of their bullpen like mad. Makes sense. Makes <laughs> like, sense. I think he replaced Deduno, if I'm correct. That would make sense, yeah. Uh, and uh, Andy Graham was also promoted from AA to AAA. And then we still had to sign Luis Ayala for the last month <laughs> um, to, to, to fill the whole roster out there. So basically all those people, if any of them re-sign, some of them might have a chance. Cole Garner already re-signed with us once. 
Um, but I think that Cole Garner probably thought he was going to make the majors this year. Well, now with 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 Brad Hop uh, moving on, and uh, I mean the potential for other offseason moves. I mean, we know that uh, that Cole Garner is probably not going to amount to much more than a the absolute tops fourth outfielder. So I mean, there's a good chance that he can make it on as a fifth outfielder this year. I mean, he's he's good toolsy kind of guy. He's got he he, he runs well. He uh. They're just general good things, you know. I, I have nothing bad to say about him, and I hope we hang on to him because, well, he could fit in well. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to having him try out for a fifth outfielder spot either. I just also wouldn't blame him if he's not purchased this month for saying, you know what, I gave you guys, you know, eight years to to develop me, and uh, I think it's time for me to move on. And then I wouldn't, I, under the same thing, I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Miller moves on either. Because, oh yeah, Miller's like what twenty eight now, something like that. Well, and plus, plus he's been in contention for a September call up for two or three years now, and it's just never worked out for him. Yeah, I wouldn't blame him at all. Also for leaving, he um <clears throat> definitely one of the you know decent hitter we have down there. Posted a three sixty nine weighted on base average down in AAA, and, and you know even with the the um the offensive boost that one gets from playing in Colorado Springs, uh yeah no um. Miller could probably Miller will latch on somewhere, and I mean, with a couple with Garner and Miller, there's a good chance they're just going to need to try to find a team that's either outfield deplete or is in a Pittsburgh type, you know, rebuilding situation. Right, and then maybe hope that the uh, the the uh, a window of opportunity arises for them to to make it up into the majors and maybe try to prove themselves that they should stay there a little longer than just a a look see. And it makes me think of Jeff Salazar, because, I mean, I don't think any of these, you know, Jeff Salazar was any kind of higher caliber than any of these guys. And, uh, you know, he's he's latched on to several teams in the last couple of years here. Yeah, I don't think he's made the majors this year, but he was with <laughs> Pittsburgh for a time. He was with Arizona. Um, but, of course, uh, Salazar did get a September call up his last year with our organization, and then he was claimed off waivers by Arizona the next year. Yeah, and so, he, uh, he made the majors twice. I actually have played... Uh, 128 games with Arizona in the majors, played 21 games in the majors last year with Pittsburgh, and uh, latched on with Baltimore's minor league uh, affiliate, or AAA affiliate, I should say. So, uh, I mean, he hasn't made the majors with Baltimore yet, and he hasn't really posted uh, good enough numbers to really rationalize being called up. Right. Even on Baltimore. It, which is kind of sad to say. Although Baltimore's been playing disturbing lately. Yeah, it's funny how uh, Baltimore and Houston were the true bottom feeders of the league for the first half of the season. And, you know, especially Houston has now suddenly remembered it can play baseball. Yeah, exactly. They kind of did the same thing last year. I mean, they were never as bad as they were at the beginning part of this year, last year. But I remember at the end, at around this time, maybe a little earlier in August, they suddenly like started popping out of the 0% chance to make the playoffs and they were at like 9 or 10 all of a sudden and all Baltimore? the Houston no Houston oh gotcha I, mis- I misheard you there I was like whoa hey whoa <laughs> no uh <laughs> not in that there's, division for Baltimore there's been some good I mean a couple guys really stepped it up over there in in August for Baltimore too I mean like Luke Scott uh Adam Jones Brian Roberts Felix PA and that's really about it, because everyone else past there was below the 300 line for weighted on base average. Even Markakis? Uh, yeah. Nick Markakis, uh, 297 weighted on base average in, in August. Wow. That guy's a talented guy. That's that's some oh, serious yeah. underperforming there. Now, he's had an odd... Nick Markakis had a weird season. They gave him that big old extension, and then... 
I mean, last two years, this year and last year, both were definitely underwhelming for him. I mean, batted below 300, posted an um, OPS of uh, um, last year 801, this year 787. Just not that impressive. And he was, I mean, he was, he, he had a, a 900 or 897 in 2008, 848 in 2007. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's no real claiming what the deal is. Maybe he just needs to shake out of something. But uh, it's funny because he's striking out less, but he's walking less too. And his power numbers are down the decline already. And <clears throat> I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, I, yeah, I wouldn't complain about having him on our team still, but uh Right. Yeah, he not not shaping out to be quite as amazing as everyone was hoping. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so, that's Baltimore. Yeah. Um. I I guess we can move on from AAA. I really don't think there's much more to talk about. At some point over the off season, I'm sure we'll have a podcast dedicated to uh, where we think some of the minor leaguers are going to wind up being assigned, and then maybe we can talk about who's going to be filling up the AAA roster. Mm-hmm. But moving. Well, you got to remember too, with AAA, you're talking about how so many of them were eligible for minor league free agency. Well, that's kind of what AAA is there for: is the guys like that who are either fringe major leaguers or veterans looking for one last shot, or um, <clears throat> guys who just aren't quite major league ready, but they're clearly better than AA. Right. I mean, that that, that seems pretty generic, but AAA. I mean, people like to say the Double A's for coming up and AAA's for going down. That kind of seems to be about the team we got right now: is a team that's either not really all together to go up or, you know, struggling enough to, yeah. And most of those players that I mentioned were minor league free agents that we picked up to fill holes in the AAA team. Yeah. Uh, a couple of exceptions. Greg Smith is obviously an exception. He was on the 40-man roster most of the year but was outrighted a couple weeks ago. And so th- that's a perfect example of somebody on the way down, I guess you could say. Um because they clearly didn't really see a future with him there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the few other scattered people around there who aren't on the 40-man roster, people like Alan Johnson or Mike Polk or uh, Warren Schaefer, they're all people who are uh, – and uh, Chris Fry as well – Yeah, aren't really uh, – fi- they, they don't really figure to be uh, major impacts at any point. So it's kind of one of those things where – they're not eligible for minor league free agency. They're not good enough to be rule fived. So it's possible that they keep they keep them around, but they could also be released as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Fry has been on the AAA team for a couple of years now, and he's always kind of been the fourth outfielder. So they see him as dependable there. But again, he's just kind of a place filler, just beyond uh, uh, <laughs> basically being. Uh, any sort of prospect. But uh, I don't want to hear any uh, complaints in the comments that I should be jealous of Chris Fry and that he's uh, – <laughs> remember yeah. what, that time about Mike Polk? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they're playing professional baseball, much cooler than my life right now. But the fact is they're not really going to be major league impact guys. Right, Prop and props to them. I, I am glad that they have found success in AAA a, a, a baseball, so it's certainly not meant to be any sort of uh, insult towards any of them. We're just uh, sizing up the uh, likelihood that th- of what sort of contribution they they can make to the organization. Yeah, and we can move down to Double A now. Who's uh, who's caught your eye in Double A? Bronson Sardinia. Yeah, Sardinia is an interesting case because he's one of those guys who was signed before spring training out of free agency. He's he's the only person on Double A's roster other than Greg Reynolds 
who's actually made it to the majors before. He yeah. was he was with the Yankees for like ten days or something like that. And yeah, then he, uh, twelve major league plate appearances, and he actually didn't do too badly. Um, three for nine. I mean, no power there, and struck out once, walked twice. I mean, I'm kind of surprised he didn't stick around, but I guess it's the Yankees, and they, there's no patience for borderline talent in the Yankees organization. He uh, was one of the cases of uh, minor league free agents who was assigned to Double A, which uh, doesn't happen too much. We've had a couple of them. Stuart Pomeranz is in that group. He stayed down there. Scott Rice was assigned to Double A at first, but got promoted. Nick Beerbrot was assigned to Double A at first, but got promoted. And then uh, there was one other person who I was thinking of, but I can't remember who it was. Um, but anyway, he. Uh, the thing that's really stuck out about Sardinia is his uh, his uh, walks and his his walks and, and seriously la- seriously large lack of strikeouts, if I recall correctly. Yeah, fifty two walks, forty six strikes in Double A this year. Or right, he, strikeouts. He has, right, he has more walks than strikeouts, which is <clears> always uh, when you when you're able to pull that off over a full season, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, and all all his numbers are looking great too. It's not as if he's a one dimensional slugger. Right? He hit he hit three oh four uh three oh four average, four twenty two on base percentage and a five thirty five slugging this year. You can't complain about anything in that slash line there. And the fact that he struck out forty six times over uh, three hundred and fifteen plate appearances, that's uh that's pretty impressive right there. So because he was a free agent, he's one of those cases of people who could declare free agency, and they usually do. They that they, they don't uh, at least was the case last year. They pretty much everybody declared minor league free agency and then signed with the team again in the upcoming weeks. They didn't sign right away just to explore their options. But we already mentioned that the AAA outfield is going to be losing a lot of players, and it would be interesting to uh, see if we could sign Sardinia back again to play uh, one of the outfield positions. And, you know, uh, um, other people who... Uh, Charlie Blackman will probably be promoted, and he'll probably be in AAA next year. Uh, and then the other outfield spots, I'm really not sure about at this point. Uh, Scott Beer would be in consideration, but he's also eligible for free agency. Anthony Jackson would be in consideration. Um, there's really room to keep him in the organization, and I think there's really kind of a, a stigma maybe attached to people we sign just to be placeholders because none of us were really expecting anything out of someone like Sardinia, but that also doesn't mean that we should just let him go. I think yeah. that he would be someone there's, there's, there, that's worth keeping since there's enough room in the organization. He wouldn't be denying somebody else a spot. That's about the best way to put it. Um with 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 uh guys like Sardinia and uh Cole Garner, I mean it's kinda gonna be if we don't go after a major league alternative for the uh or you know, go for a major league free agent to fill out our outfield spot. I mean, this is assuming we don't lose Ryan Spielborgs and uh so on and so forth. And a lot of this will also depend on how the organization wants to handle Eric Young and uh and so forth. But going um just going on you know, what makes the most sense if we just want to try to fill the spots internally uh, you got Cole Garner, assuming he doesn't declare free agency and sign somewhere else. What was that? Oh, neighbors honking. <laughs> um, or we could just re-sign Jay Payton again. Or we could, yeah, exactly, <laughs> re-sign Jay Payton again. But I mean, it seems like it, whoever does, let's assume that we keep Garner, Miller, and Bronson Sardinia. It seems like one of those three, 
who doesn't make the majors will be basically the sixth outfielder, first mm-hmm. call-up kind of guy. Yeah, and uh, I'm obviously kidding about Peyton because I think it would be cruel to make him play in AAA for another year. <laughs> but, um, yeah, for Sardinia's case, there there should absolutely be room. I still think that we're going to be losing one or both of Garner and Miller unless we do end up promoting both of them, which I guess is possible. We have... Right now we have two open spots on the 40 man, but we could, we really have three because we can move Manny Corpus to the 60 day whenever we want. Yeah. Um, which is a, it's a good point of flexibility there that we have, you know, that roster spot effectively available because of Corpus's almost inevitable Tommy John surgery. If I, think, he hasn't, I think at this point it's inevitable. He's got it scheduled for this Wednesday. Okay. So, so it, okay. So it is happening for sure. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't updated on that. Unless he like chickens out and he's like, I don't want it. <laughs> Uh, I don't see any reason why that would happen. So well, that makes sense, and I'm and I'm I'm really I mean I'm more intrigued by Sardinia than I guess I am with uh, Garner and Miller because I wonder how much of Garner and Miller, um, well not necessarily Miller, but at least Garner is just you know he's he's kind of got a slugging heavy OPS, doesn't walk much, and it's the kind of thing that doesn't necessarily translate to the major leagues because you know you don't always get all those nice double or uh, extra base hits that you did in the minors that you would in the majors. But Sardinia, while well, a lot of his, you know, 957 OPS in double A is fueled by slugging, it's not as if he's not walking. I mean, batting 300 and then posting uh, over 400 on base percentage is, uh, those are skills that translate well to the major leagues. Yeah, as long as they can be kept up, of course. And well, it's, I mean, that's true about anything. We're, yeah, we're, and neither of us is definitely saying that Sardinia should be in consideration to be signed for the major league team anytime soon. But he's, a, he, he's certainly a name to, uh, to try and keep around if we can. Uh, Willeen Rosario had a heck of a breakout season in, uh, in double A this year. Of course, he's been sidelined with, uh, torn ACL, I believe, uh, which is going to, uh, keep him out through the rest of this season, obviously, or it has kept him out since August and, uh, probably, possibly into the beginning of next season as well. But, uh, his name is certainly worth mentioning. I mean, he's been on our radar for ages, of course, but he, uh, you know, he hit nearly 20 home runs and uh, was having a very successful season there, more so than uh, he had before. So it was, a, it was a, a very positive sign in regards to his development. He's an example of somebody who's definitely going to be bought this offseason by the, uh, the uh, reserves deadline because of his Rule 5 eligibility. Yeah. And then we can mention Jordan Pacheco, who replaced uh, Rosario as the main catcher for Double uh, A. He was with Modesto most of the year, but he's had a fantastic season in just about in in, in every situation he's been in. He got an NRI invite, as I'm sure you all remember, and uh, really was he. I mean, he wasn't there very long before he was assigned to minor league camp, but he was just a hit machine during spring training. And uh, then he went to Modesto and was a hit machine, and now he's with Tulsa and he's a hit machine. He's been doing very well. I mean, he batted 329, 321 in Modesto, 329 in Tulsa. Um, fewer walks in, in Tulsa and, uh, less power as well. But still, I mean, for, uh, <clears throat> for, for, uh, you know, any kind of catching prospect, you can make those kind of strides and hit for, uh, at least hit for average. Cause I mean, if anything, this team is having trouble hitting for average. You could be a guy that we could be, I mean, I don't want to necessarily slate him as major league impact immediately, but he's going to get a long look at spring training, that's for sure. Yeah, he's a bit farther back than uh, Rosario or McHenry 
are he'll probably re- he'll probably return to Tulsa at the start of next season as the mm-hmm. as the main Tulsa catcher. He's also Rule Five eligible, so look for him to be bought as well, along with Rosario. I certainly hope so. And then we have uh, let's see, uh, we have our regular usual suspects of Double uh, A folks, uh, starting pitchers mostly Corey Riordan, Keith Weiser who uh, are likely to be promoted to AAA next year. Both of them had decent seasons. And then you have uh, Bruce Billings, who I know you wanted to talk about. He was he came in to the uh, season as a starter for Tulsa, but with uh, a couple other players getting uh, ha- having to go down there to start, specifically people like Greg Reynolds, there wasn't really enough room to keep him around as a starter, so they converted him to relief, kind of like what they did to Shane Lindsay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Two years ago, so. Well, Lindsay's fu- Lindsay's future in the majors, if he was to ever have one, would be in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just too wild to be a starter. I mean, he he won't last past the fourth fourth inning if, if you're uh, just just by any stretch. Right. I was just comparing them in the sense that they were both starters who were converted <laughs> in Double A to relief, mostly because of and I mean, as you say, with Lindsay's wildness, but also they already had five starters. <laughs> you know, and they weren't going to keep Lindsay and Modesto. So yeah, and the thing about Billings too, though, if you want to talk about him in relief, he um he he posted a forty three to fourteen strikeout to walk ratio, while only allowing two home runs over uh, just about almost thirty innings. That's a two six seven fit for anyone uh, following on your spreadsheets. There, um, definitely an effective jump to the pen because he ended up striking out a, a lot more as a reliever, or striking out a lot more batters as a reliever, and um. Uh, the walks look like uh, they might now. Then the, the basically the strikeout to walk ratio definitely improved. I mean, we're looking at over three to one here, as opposed to uh, just a shade below two to one as a starter. And, and the, I mean, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I mean, that's it's a good sign that he uh, he wants to. Go, he, he's the kind of guy who needs to go all out in the pen and probably wouldn't be uh, that phenomenal of an innings eater in as as a, you know a back end starter in the majors. He'd probably be best used like almost almost like a Buckholtz kind of guy who isn't that great at tempering his own stuff when he has to be a starter and doesn't know how to ration it quite right. And um, yeah, I, I think he could be very very promising as a reliever. A couple other names we could mention: uh, uh, Rex Brothers was at Double uh, A for the second half of the season. He's been, obviously, he was just drafted a little over a year ago. He's been shooting through the organization. Had a little bit of a struggle to adjust to double A, but he's, uh, in the past couple of weeks, really kind of found his feet. And, uh, I think really he's just, he's still on the fast track. I don't yeah, know he, if he, I don't know if he's going to be here next year or not, but. The, he, the plus sides for him is that he's striking out over a batter inning, which is very good. But the problem is, is that he's got a, 18 unintentional walks because we're not obviously going to count an intentional walk in there, but 18 intentional or un, 18 walks and only 23 innings. That's just, it, it's he's just going to have to learn, uh, you know. He just needs to learn. I mean, I, I can't think of a better way to put it than that because mm-hmm. I don't have anything crazy, a, a, any ridiculous, you know, smoking gun kind of numbers here. But uh, just the problem really is he's just walking too many. He's keeping the ball in the park well, and he's definitely striking out a a good number there. So if if he can. Uh, Continue to find the zone, he'll be, you know, he should be just fine. Adam Jorgensen also got a promotion to Double A. He's not really on the the, the uh, mainstream kind of top prospects list, but he had success this year being a closer in Modesto, and uh, he hasn't been really closing for Tulsa because that's been Stuart Pomeranz's job. Yeah, but he uh, 
also kind of following the same pattern brothers did had a little bit of uh an early struggle there but has uh settled in a little bit better yeah both levels he, he he's another guy who has great strikeout potential and uh um actually he looks like i mean Basically, in um, Modesto, he was just you know rocking all over the place, and then definitely had a setback. I mean, there's only like 11 innings in Tulsa, so we can't really right. state too much of that. But uh, his numbers aren't the best. I mean, he has two home runs in 11 innings. That's you know, it, with relief pitchers, you can I mean, you got to kind of look at a body of work. You can't just you know pick one or two numbers there, especially with such a small sample. But yeah, that's just that's the only explanation for why his numbers aren't phenomenal in Tulsa. Makes sense, I mean, yeah. 14 to 5 strikeout to walk ratio and two homers. I mean, in 11 innings, there's not much more to really say besides that. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him re, you know, start Tulsa the next year. Or not start, but be, you know, pitching Tulsa next year. Start pitching at Tulsa, not mm-hmm. starting. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, we can also mention Christian Friedrich, who's not technically on the Tulsa roster right now because he's hurt, but, uh, he hit his first snag, if you will in his development at Tulsa. I really wouldn't be too concerned about it. He's still a top prospect. He uh, had some injury concerns that might have contributed to uh, he, to his uh, his results there. The uh, The obvious joke is that he's he's getting the bad influence from Greg Reynolds. <laughs> but, uh, Poor Greg Reynolds. Yeah. Although Re- the good news about Reynolds is he – Started off looking like the same broken Greg Reynolds we've always seen, but his last like month and a half has been really good. Definitely effective. He, uh, and thankfully he has that fourth option year that he's able to get and can, uh, continue. He can probably try going into AAA next year and seeing if he can connect there. So there might be some glimmer of hope there for, uh, for him. Uh, and of course, as I was saying with Friedrich, there's no reason to, uh, worry too much about him. I don't think he just hit, uh, you know, he was, he was kind of a star type guy who was ascending level by level striking gold, but, uh, it's, uh, it's totally expected and not abnormal at all to have somebody hit one year where they slow down a little bit. I still wouldn't be surprised if they put him in AAA next year, regardless, yeah, just for uh, you mentioned Reynolds in uh, in July he made five starts with a five eight three ERA, not very impressive, but a twelve to five strikeout to walk ratio, <clears throat> five home runs in thirty innings, not the greatest. But then if you look at his uh, August, he uh, five starts, thirty one innings, a one seven four ERA, struck out nineteen batters in thirty one innings, only walked six, and only gave up two home runs. And <clears throat> again, and one of the big things for that too is that he was starting to get the ball on the ground a bit more. We saw some signs of it in June. But uh, he's he is uh, his ground out to uh, fly out ratio is definitely improving down there. Um, it would just be good to see him do something good. I mean, even his last start too, struck out three, didn't walk anyone. Uh, two five seven ERA in that one start, which translates to seven innings and two runs. So there could be hope for the guy. Still, I mean, granted it's Tulsa, but uh, I don't know. It'd be it would be great if he could make the majors again in any way, shape, or form, even if it's just for a little while, just to kind of say, well, he got another shot at it and made the most of it. Maybe on the more negative side, we could also mention Kyle Rowling's name, who had a rough season at uh, at Tulsa. He's uh, He was kind of the... Uh, the closest thing we had to an heir apparent at first base at the time of, of, of the beginning of the year. But it's not to say we should give up hope on the guy. It's just he had a very lateral move at best kind of season. So I really don't know what to expect from him, and he's on the DL right now as well. 
So we've already talked a lot. We were at 27 minutes already. So we we'll should probably move on players. to uh, to the to, to the A level and lower. And yeah, we can just kind of skip around and talk about uh, talk about a couple of names. I don't know if you want to get us started there. Well, I guess when it comes down to Modesto, um, I mean, we already talked about Pacheco because he spent most of his season there. Uh, we could mention Thomas Field and James Cesario both had very effective seasons down in, in Modesto. Yeah, uh, Field especially had a real breakout season, and I've always been interested in Cesario. I think his name kind of gets skipped over a lot. He, Cesario has had a rough couple of weeks, I think. I mean, I haven't really looked at the stats, but that's the impression I got. I can't tell if he's been battling like a walking injury that's not quite serious enough to put him on the DL, but he hasn't been starting a lot of games. He's only been starting maybe once every three or four. Other than that, he's just been pinch hitting. So I'm not really sure what the deal is there, but overall, he's had a pretty successful season for sure. Mm-hmm. When it looks at looking at field here, I mean, uh, <clears throat> he put up post an 864 OPS, which was a pretty effective year for um, for that level of play. He was listed if you. Um, factor everything in there as best as we can he, he looks like he panned out at about a five win player by modesto standards so uh or a plus ball standards i should say which is you know definitely nothing to sneeze at no uh we can also talk about juan nicasio who is important really because he's on the 40-man roster he's an interesting name because he's he's a little bit on the slower side of the development i think he had whether it was last year or the year before he had he missed pretty much an entire season and, uh, you know, we, we got him because we have a lot of faith in him and because he, uh, or by got him, I mean, we added him to the roster, yeah. uh, when he was rule five eligible. Um, and, and Asasio looks very promising. I mean, you got a guy who pitched 177 innings. He, uh, <clears throat> struck out 171 batters, only walked 31, um, 14 home runs, which is, you know, definitely in that realm of, you know, pretty decent still. Uh, two eight nine FIP. Downside is he's twenty three now, so he's gonna have to start making some major strides if he's gonna want to make a major league impact. Well, he'll be in the Double A rotation next year, probably. Yeah. So I wouldn't um, doubt it. Casey Weathers is down in Modesto. This is his first year back after his very long rehab process uh, over the past couple of years. And I had said when I first started talking about the Rule Five eligibles at the beginning of the year that they might not get him or the, the keep using that. It's not specific enough. They might purchase him to the 40 man. They might not purchase him to the 40 man roster, but that was under the impression that he still wasn't going to be fully ready to pitch. He's had a little bit of a slow return. He's, he's shown some, he's, he's had several games where he's, he, he has lines where he's like pitched a third of an inning, but given up four and runs or something like that. And you know, he's just not quite back in his rhythm, but I will say that at this point, the fact that he's back in pitching again, the fact that he's healthy enough to do that, they, they will buy him this off season for sure. Yeah, so we'll have, to see, we'll have to see how they handle that with the roster moves. I mean, in uh 19 innings in single a, he uh, struck out 25 batters. So his stuff is still there. Problem is he's having trouble locating his stuff. As in those 19 innings, he walked 17 batters. Mm-hmm. Are you so looking at his that, stats in a, it, it, at, at which level now? I'm looking at uh, a plus ball. I'm at S. Okay, yeah, yeah. Batters. Okay. So I mean, you know, there's still a lot to be, uh, still, still a lot to like there. Definitely not, to, ne- definitely not complaining um, necessarily about Weathers coming back from Tommy John. So, I mean, it's just good to see that he came back at all. Right. Yeah, and, and granted, the, the, Tommy John's a very successful surgery, but when one year, when a former first rounder goes down like that, you you kind of put on your your uh, 
not panic's the wrong word, but your uh, concern face. Uh huh. Especially since we've now had Reynolds, Weathers, and now this year Friedrich all have kind of weird uh, series of injuries all happening to our number one picks. So we have to keep Tyler Matzik very safe. <laughs> yeah, the, the worst thing for Reynolds, and now we've talked to Reynolds, talked about Reynolds, you know, to death, but. I mean, 2008 was just such a rough season for him to try to make a debut because we were in such a crunch for everything. I mean, when we started the roster with Franklin Morales and uh, Mark Redman on the ro- in the rotation, mm-hmm. I mean, this is the season that saw us bring in Levon Hernandez. You know, I mean, it was uh, just it just stunk for him because he clearly wasn't ready. He was coming back from that injury and stuff like that, and it, I think it just messed with his head. It did, but at the same time, he's also since then had some r- rather crazy injury stuff still going on. Uh, I can't. In fact, it's it's so silly. I I say this with uh, complete seriousness. I once uh, think I made a joke that he, uh, you know, he probably got hit in. The, he, <laughs> that somebody probably will foul a, a, a ball off into the dugout that'll bounce around everybody else but hit Reynolds in the head. And then I can't even remember if that was a story anymore or if that actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> because with I've... Reynolds, it just seems, it seems like every time he takes, he starts to take a step forward, something bad happens. Which is why it's so nice to have him see this end of the season relatively uninterrupted where well, he was able to, uh, you know, settle in a little bit. Well, I had, a, I had a sim game where, um, the Rockies were going to the, are looking pretty close to the postseason, and uh, uh, one of our rotation candidates went down in September because the game is an absolute sadist and hates me. But um, so I was like, "Well, crap! I need a starter." And I actually still had Keith Weiser and Greg Reynolds, and uh, Weiser ended up making the ro- the bullpen, and Reynolds is in the rotation. So I, I don't remember if he made the postseason rotation or not. But the point is, like his first game into the postseason, he gets hurt out for six months. Reynolds never made a, ba- a back pass. Yeah, Greg Reynolds. Huh. Weiser stuck around a little bit the next year, and then eh, no, he was just wasn't effective. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Keith Weiser being my irrational favorite. Um, yeah, fa- not not good to be one of Andrew's favorites. It appears. Hmm. Huh. My computer just started playing noises at me. I'll have to find out what's causing that. Anyway. Um. We can talk about Tim Wheeler a little bit. He's had rather average kind of pedestrian season at best. Uh, I don't really know. It's not really worth talking about, I don't think. There's not a lot to say about it right now because I really don't have any confidence. I know where he'll end up next year, whether he's going to repeat, whether they're going to promote him anyway, that sort of thing. They might have to repeat. I mean, he only he batted 243, 32, 378. So, I mean, it's a 710 ops, and a lot of his uh, – the thing about it is a lot of the isolated numbers, if you look at, you know, the, the OBP to batting average discrepancy or, or difference, I should say, and then slugging to average, it looks like those numbers are there. He's just having trouble consistently getting hits. So when he hits it, he's hitting for a fair amount of power. And when he, when he, uh, he, he's walking a fair amount, it's just, uh, he's having trouble getting the bat on the ball consistently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, he was already ahead of the curve because most regular prospects would have been playing. It, it, again, he, He's the 2009 draft. Most of them would probably be playing at Asheville anyway. So really all this does is, if he has to repeat, he just goes back to kind of the normal schedule as opposed to being ahead. It's, yeah. don't think it would be that big of a deal. Uh, let's move on to Asheville. We have uh, some interesting names in Asheville, uh, some of whom, uh, most notably Chad Bettis, are rather recent additions to the, uh, t- to the team. He's hit gold 
at both Tri-City and at Asheville so far this year, and I'm actually really excited about him, probably more so than some people are. Um, you want to talk about Luis Gomez? Yeah, just, is I, an I interesting name. His, yeah, Luis Gomez is definitely an interesting name. It seems like one of those names you could switch the names around, and it would still be just as confusing. <laughs> um, no, Gomez um, pitched last year briefly in Colorado Springs. Pitched about three innings and was terrible. He started the year off his twenty age twenty three year off in Asheville. Um, he pitched uh, seventy four innings in exclusively in relief. Struck out seventy bat or sixty nine batters. Walked nineteen and gave up three homers. Uh, FIP of two seventy one. And granted, we're talking about Asheville, but it's still not that's not a bad season at all. Definitely something to keep your eye on. Um, I guess I don't have much better to say about him than that. He's very promising to, uh, you know, maybe get a look at Modesto or maybe even Tulsa, depending on how depth rolls out. He is one of the oldest people on the team. Uh, I, 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 you already mentioned he's 23. I don't know about the ages of the other people, but he's one of four players on the Asheville roster right now who were added to the, uh, team in 2006. The others being, uh, oh wait, there's five. There's, there's Gomez. Let's see, Jonathan Vargas, we have uh, Carlos Martinez, Orlando Sandoval, and Helder Velasquez were mm-hmm. all added in 2006. And everybody else is uh, 2007 through, uh, tw- through, through this year, 2010. Yeah. Although There's looks- one other guy I noticed from Asheville, too, um, unless you want to go more on uh, Laris Gomez. I don't I, – he's actually uh, – when I said he's an interesting name, I didn't literally mean – well, I did because he does have an interesting name. I didn't just mean that. I meant he he didn't really stand out to me this year. I didn't really pay much attention to him. So the fact that you notice something interesting with him is, is very good. Uh, but I really wouldn't have much else to say about him because he hasn't really stood out to me that much. But there's yeah, a lot enough. of – there's a lot more people to talk about here. You know, we've talked about Tyler Matzek plenty um, and I think everybody knows who Tyler Matzek is. Yeah, if you don't by now, you're just silly. Now, the other guy I was looking at, um, outside of the big names would be, uh, probably West Music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it was a, a good season. He struck out 100, uh, 109 batters in 123 innings, or 122 innings. Um, uh, only walked 26 and seven home runs. Um, I mean, a 292 FIP, very good. Uh, Looks to be an above-average pitcher for his level, but, um, I mean, it's the kind of thing where you wonder that once he gets promoted, if that stuff's going to go away and he's going to end up being a pitch-only-to-contact kind of guy. And I mean, he's kind of a non-prospect at this point, but I think he at least had a good season, it should be mentioned. Mm-hmm, certainly. And uh, more on the position player side, we've had a lot of interesting players uh, kind of uh, show up here. We have uh, Nolan Arenado, who... People were high on before this year, but he uh, he's had his ups and downs in a couple areas. But I think really overall, if you take the season into account, and especially his last couple months as as a whole, he's he's been very impressive. Yeah, no, absolutely. And if we just factor in the fact that Arnado is a legit prospect, um, he's probably the biggest newsmaker. But if we just want to look at Asheville and pretend that you know. We don't care what caliber players are or where they were drafted or what they can right. make it to. Uh, you know, Jared Clark's kind of the big deal for uh, for the Asheville tourists. The uh, 954 OPS, he batted just shy of 300. Um, struck out 112 times in 463 plate appearances, which isn't great, but he also walked 74 times. So yeah, yeah, he he is one of those players who. Uh, 
it's always interesting to see when they, they have a great deal of power but are also very patient at the plate. And uh, that's that's kind of an exciting uh, quality for a player to have. There have been a lot of things that I've read, though, that a lot of Jared Clark-type players will peak kind of at the AA-plus area and then peter out as they as they move up. So I'm not really set on Clark as a surefire thing, but it still, it still qualifies for sure as a, uh, kind of a, a breakout season for him. We'll see how well he does. If the, uh, I'm, I'm guessing he'll get the call to the California league next year, at least. So we'll mm-hmm. see how well he adjusts there. Cause if I recall correctly, the California league is much more pitching heavy than the, uh, um, than the, than the Sally league. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, we can talk about Delta Cleary, I guess he's had a, an interesting series of de- of development. He uh, didn't have a, a fantastic season, but he's still and a name. He had a, he had a bad season. He's not, uh, or r- rather, he's still a name that a lot of people are expecting a lot from. I'm not as high on him as a lot of people are, but. Um, well, there's another name then. If we're going to be talking about Delta Cleary, we can't. Uh, Eliezer Mesa. I was going to go with Tyler Massey. Oh, he's not had a good season either. No, he has, he's had an even worse season. I mean, batted 210, uh, a sub-600 OPS. I mean, that's the kind of season that could break your baseball career. If I recall, Tyler Massey was one of the guys who was we who we drafted rather late in the draft. Not, not late in general, but late for somebody of his quality because of signability issues. And then we ended up getting him. Is that right, or did I? Uh, uh, I, I am not the person asked there. I cannot remember to be perfect. Okay, I, I'm pretty sure he was drafted in like the 15th round or something like that. But he could easily have been in much higher if it weren't concern about that. I can go look it up if you want to keep talking about him. Well, Massey. The issue with Massey this year, it uh, it really just looked like um, we we saw some skills improve. Um, he definitely found a bit more of a power swing, but nothing really to write home about. I mean. He had a whole one extra home run, and uh, well, I mean, an extra home run in about seventy fewer plate appearances, so that's pretty decent. But we're not looking at this guy to be a home run kind of guy. Uh, he um, batted two ten with a two seventy one on base percentage and a three oh nine slugging. So, you know, on the upside, he he walked more. He got hit by quite a few more pitches too. Uh, grounded into fewer double plays, um, struck out less. Well, the struck outlets may also just be also, an issue of playing time, but also uh, didn't hit much. <laughs> Unfortunately, no, exactly didn't do a, didn't do a lot of things like that. Like that, uh, we saw his batting average on balls and play drop, uh, which isn't again isn't a make or break, but it's uh, something to keep an eye on. That maybe he's uh, you know just getting a bit unlucky. But the point is, he's striking out less. Um, walking more, maybe getting a bit more patient there, but these are the kind of numbers that are going to have to start jumping and fast if this guy wants to have any kind of hope in the upper levels. Right. Um, Did what, you have something on him? No, not, not not really on Massey, but I would talk about Eliezer Mesa, I guess. He's kind of my alternative to Cleary. I I, I think I like his, uh, his tool set a little bit better. Uh, but, you know, there are plenty of people who know a lot more than I do who disagree with that, so... Um, you know, he's, he's had a, I, I think a, well, he's certainly had a better season than Delta Cleary has, but he is, uh, also, I think somebody who's really kind of broken out this season and has raised a lot of excitement. He's, he's a, 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 another easy example of one of those players I didn't know anything about until this year. And now I know a lot more about everybody, yeah. but, um, basically I, I'd say I'm excited for him. Yeah. I mean, Batting 300 and, 
I mean, the thing that I'm concerned about him is, I mean, 88 strikeouts and 517 plate appearances isn't the end of a, the world, but for a guy who's not really a slugger, I mean, he's got gap power and it looks like he's got the wheels to really be able to, you know, leg some of those extra, you know, deep singles out, but, um, you know, 300 batting average, anyway, you look at it in the minors really isn't much. You don't sneeze at it, but mm-hmm. at the same time, um, we gotta see those walks jump. We gotta see those strikeouts drop if this guy really wants to, uh, you know, again, have a shot. He looks like he'd be the kind of guy who, you know, will hit for an empty average, not post a great OPS, but uh, you need him on base. You know, that's the kind of guy that we are that, that I would be hoping for with a guy like Eliezer Mesa. So I did look up uh, Tyler Massey, whose real name is Joseph Massey, and he uh, was drafted in the 14th round of 2008. Thomas Field was drafted in the 24th round. Delta Cleary was drafted in the 37th. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mesa stole 29 bags this year, too. So, you know, decent decent stat line, 29 stat stolen bags. Let's see him strike out less and walk more, and we might have someone to, you know, take seriously. Yep. Uh, uh, you had mentioned Orlando Sandoval when we were talking before. I don't really have much to say about him, but you can bring him up if you want. Well, again, I mean, it's another thing where I'm catching stat lines that, that, that draw my attention. Um with Sandoval, we are looking at a guy, you know, another another outfielder there. He was uh, born in 86, so uh, he's getting pretty close to the, uh, he's probably just an organizational filler kind of guy. But um, Yeah, if I'm correct, he started the season as the, like, fourth or fifth outfielder for Asheville. Something like that. But uh, let's see, I mean, not too great in the base pass. Stole 12, got caught 12 times, struck out over 100 times, only walked 30. Um I not really. I mean, I'm not sure why he's standing out. I mean, 280 batting average. I, I just point him out because uh, he's one of those guys who who got enough playing time and did it at a decent enough level where he kind of stood out above the rest. Uh, the tourists had not hit too well. Mm-hmm. Outside of Jared Clark and, uh, and 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 Nolan Arenado, right? I guess Mike Zwanich for all of his nine games. Yeah, he uh, though was promoted to Modesto. So yeah, exactly. Uh, Mike Zwanich has done pretty well at Modesto too, but he's a, a sec- he's kind of a second string player right now. The good thing we could say about uh, Asheville, anyhow, is they definitely got they definitely know how to run in Asheville. We have one, two, three, four, seven guys. Oh, is that seven or eight? It looks like seven guys here who've stolen ten or more bases. Uh, we got. Two guy, three guys stole over twenty, and then one thirty stolen base guy. Uh, Avery Barnes stole thirty-two, Mesa stole twenty-nine, and jo- and Nina stole twenty-three. Delta Cleary eighteen, Sandoval twelve, Carlos Martinez eleven, and Jared Clark ten. So wow, good season for Clark. <laughs> Lots of numbers there to look at. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't really, I don't think I even realized Clark had stolen ten bases. I mean, stealing ten bases isn't that fantastic, but at the, I mean. From your first baseman, who's exactly you know, a big exactly. slugger, I'll take the crap out of that. Exactly, that's that's kind of what I was working up to. I was just thinking of the proper way to say it. Uh, I mean, he's not a speed demon, but he is probably faster, or or at the very least, better at at base stealing than most people in that position. Uh, so you know, it's kind of another half tool, I guess you you could put on his resume. Mm-hmm. So let's wrap up with just kind of an assorted couple picks from the uh, the short season Dust Devils and the Rookie Ghosts. Um, let's see, nobody in their lineup really strikes my eye except for Chandler Laurent, who's, who's, uh, who's been promoted to Modesto, by the way. Yeah, 
this week. He he played fifty nine games down there in short city, uh short short season. <laughs> short city. Since, yeah, exactly. The short city. Uh, 263, 327, 500 batting line, stole 14 bags, caught five times, um, doesn't walk, and hit 11 home runs. So, I mean, that's something small to look at there. Uh, we could also take a look at uh, a lot of decent pitching down there. Josh um, Slats. Yeah, Josh Slats, 191 ERA. Um, only uh, only uh, seven games he pitched in, though. Um, right, but, I mean, he's also somebody who we just drafted. So Yeah, 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 true. Um... Boy, I'm trying to figure out who else to notice down here. Um, I mean, we could mention Eduardo Cabrera. Yeah, he's he's been a hard luck loser this year. He's put up pretty decent numbers all over the board, but he's only got one win, I think. Yeah, and of one course, a record in a 307 I, ERA. I really don't care about how many wins people are getting in the majors, let alone in the minors. But it's always kind of kind of sad, just a little bit, to to, to see somebody's record like that. Yeah, I kind of amused a Parker Frazier personally because. Uh, Five starts, twenty innings, and he must have been hurt or something. Well, he, I mean, yeah, he he was kind of on a half rehab assignment. Currently, he's yeah. with uh, he's with Modesto right now. Yeah, that's what I figured. I mean, just looking at the numbers by themselves, I mean, a seven five two ERA and stuff like that doesn't doesn't hold up too well. So I'm, I'm glad to hear, glad that you're able to correct me on that. That he is uh, not really in Tri City and that he's probably recovering. Right. He he. It was the same kind of deal with Hector Gomez. Uh, who uh, we also kind of didn't talk about, but we've talked about him to death, really, in other podcasts. He uh, was also starting the season with Tri-City, and it was because of injury that had prevented... Both Frazier and Gomez would have been playing, not in extended spring training, but in uh, in uh, Tulsa and uh, Modesto, respectively, had they not been hurt in the first part of the season. Mm-hmm. So their their time in Tri-City was just spent as kind of a pseudo-rehab Kind of thing. Yeah, so if we want to drop down to Casper real quick before yep. we run out of time, uh, they had this one guy. He only spent a short amount of time down there at first. Uh, 1,138 OPS. <laughs> uh, Todd Heltone, is that how you pronounce that? I, I'm not sure. The name doesn't ring a bell. I'm With surprised. With a line like that and only three games down there, he must have gotten a quick call back because, oh, man, that's a pretty impressive line right there. Well, I'm, I'm looking at this, and it says he's 37. Talk about, like, behind. 37. He's, wow. He's, he's a little bit behind the ball there, I think. Is it some sort of, like, you know, Wyoming, you know, farewell tour or something? I mean, 37, oh. come on. No, but seriously, though, Todd Helton leads the ghosts in his 10 at bat. So, you know, <laughs> hey, good for him. Um, real ghost players, though, uh, guys we look at like Swanner, uh, or is it Swanner or Swanner? I've been saying Swanner, but, you know, I have no idea of knowing. I'm just guessing that. on that. I, I mean, I, w- I wish uh, we had Fish on the get- podcast. He'd probably be able to correct us. Um, but Corey Dickerson had a pretty top-notch season, batted 339, 405, 598, uh, stole 12 bags, hit 12 home runs. Oh, that's a decent season in 64 games there. Uh, Rafael Ortega's another guy, batted 364, 416, 513. Uh, 21 bags for him, uh, and six home runs. And granted, we might be getting a bit of Casper effect up there, because I'm pretty sure they're even higher elevation than Denver. Is that right? I don't know. <laughs> I I'm, I'm not, I am not a geography expert. Looking it up, Casper, Wyoming elevation. And Google Go, uh, fifty-one forty. So not really. It's pretty much the same. Yeah, it's for all intents and purposes. Um, a good season from Ortega, from Dickerson, um, Ryan Castile, their DH had a pretty decent season. Uh, 
Battle 331. There's and, been uh, s- some buzz from some people, including Andrew Fisher, about uh, Adamas. I think that's how you say his name. I don't think it's a Dames. Christian Adamas? That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you already mentioned Castile, who's gotten some peripheral attention from a uh, couple people who are uh, minor league experts as well. But I think most of the buzz right now is around Ortega, Dickerson, and Swanner. Yeah. Uh, and his Heltone fellow. Yeah. Who uh, who knows where he wound up? And yeah, really. <laughs> Good luck to him. Yeah. Um, I don't know if if we passed anybody over. I I suppose I can mention my my passion pick, which is Juan Perez. Uh, nobody else really cares about Juan Perez, but I don't know what it is. I just th- think that he has uh, potential to break into something as well. He's not really a a, a, a superstar type right now. He's not looking like uh, he has any sort of buzz about him right now. But he's 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 had a successful time as the, as the ghost closer. Basically, I guess you could say with him, I'm looking at seeing where he goes from here because he's the kind of guy who I think can at least stay in the system for some time. All my love for Perez is, uh, you know, based on the feeling that I get that he is a promotable player. I think he's yeah. somebody who can stick in the back end of a bullpen for at least a couple levels, and I want to see where he goes. Well, it looks like Campos made 14 starts down there in Tulsa, or in Tulsa and Casper. I should is it up in Casper, considering the north of us? Yes. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Sure, why not? 80, <laughs> exactly. 82 innings, uh, 4-4 four and four record, um, but he kept the ball in the park well and struck out uh, struck out 63 batters in his uh, 82 innings. Uh, probably could be a you know, look in either short city, tri- short season, tri-city, or um, or maybe even Asheville. We'll have to see what uh, the organization wants with him, but uh, probably still not a uh, prospect. Prospect, but uh, you know, one eight seven ERA in rookie ball isn't you know unimpressive by any stretch. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're gonna be, uh, if we, I mean, granted, guys like Will Rosario are of a higher caliber, but uh, if we're gonna praise Will Rosario putting up great numbers in rookie ball, we might as well praise uh, Albert Campos for putting up great numbers in rookie ball. So good for you, Albert Campos. Mm-hmm. And I've uh, I've pretty much run out of things to say about the minor leagues. I don't know about you. I think I have too. There, there's not a whole lot more to uh, to go on there. I mean, there's certainly stuff that could be said about just about anybody, but I uh, I don't have much more to say. So, um, we're at. 55 minutes, much Holy longer than we expected. Yep. Uh, we gave a pretty good roundup, I think, of basically the uh, the basics of how the minor league system went this year. And, of course, I believe, I know that AAA and AA end this week. I think uh, the others do too, but it might be a little later. I can't, uh, can't say for sure. I can look up uh, schedule right now for, say, the Ghosts and see what they do. Um... Work internet work. Eh. It is yeah. They play through the ninth, so they basically all do end this week. I, 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 as far as I can tell, either Tuesday or Thursday time. So, um, and as of course, especially with AAA ending, we'll probably see a lot more call ups after uh, that season is done. Anything else? Honestly, I think I'm cashed in right now. I, uh, you know, it's a good refresher to see that we do have. You know, I do have some names. And my favorite thing about looking at uh, 
I, when I look at minor league stats, I typically look at a uh, statcorner.com because they do a lot of stuff with, uh, with weighted on base average and TRA and stuff like that. And basically they'll adjust all the numbers to whatever league these guys are in. Hmm. So you might say, well, this guy only has like a 784 ops. Well, that might be in the top 20% of players or something like that. Right. I mean, you never know. So that w- what they do is they'll make adjustments to the league you're playing in and find ways to convert that into like run values or whatever and then bold out your best players who have, uh, you know, are worth more than 10 runs, uh, whether pitching or batting. So you can kind of see who's really been the most effective guys in each level. That's how I, uh, tend to spot a lot of these guys just by things like that. So if you look at the, the microcosm of a minor league team by itself there and don't think about who's promotable, who's not promotable, who's a prospect, who's filler, whatever, it's just kind of fun to say, oh, well, Jared Clark was the best player in Asheville this year and stuff like that. Right. It looks like I, I just pulled it up. They don't do the short season leagues. Only nah, the, uh, just only through A ball. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I hope that was useful information for everybody. Uh, we'll talk about plenty more of these players over the off season, I'm sure, when we're desperate for topics. So, yeah. uh, I think that about wraps it up for today. On behalf of myself and Andrew, we'll see you next week. Take care.